Hello, I'm Bonnie Snowden, ex-corporate person and mother turned successful artist entrepreneur. It wasn't that long ago, though, that I lacked the confidence, vision and support network to focus on growing my dream business. Fast forward past many life curveballs, waves of self-doubt and so many lessons learned, and you'll see Ignite, my thriving online coloured pencil artist community. A community that changes members' lives for the better and gives me freedom to live abundantly whilst doing what I love and spending quality time with my beloved family and dogs all whilst creating my best artwork with coloured pencils and mentoring others to do the same. But this life wasn't always how it was for me. It used to only exist in my imagination. I've created the It's a Bonnie Old Life podcast to help increase people's confidence, share mine and my community's experience and hope through fascinating personal stories, champion the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and create another channel through which I can support others to realise their dreams. If you're a passionate coloured pencil artist or an aspiring one who's looking to create their best work and a joyful life you love, you're in the right place. Grab a cuppa and a custard cream. Let's get cracking. My guest this week is the fabulous wildlife artist Zoe Fitchett. Um, Her work is extraordinary. I mean, it really is absolutely beautiful. And we had such a lovely chat talking about our daily routines to our children, to, you know, mindset and coaching. And it's a really, really interesting session. And yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So uh, welcome to Zoe. Oh, it's so nice to finally get to speak to you. Yeah, you do. I've followed you for ages. I feel like I've already spoken to you, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think we have. I think we've chatted um, yeah, yeah. in Instagram and everything. And and I mean, I've followed you for, I don't know how long I've followed you for. And yeah, I'm just really, really, really chuffed that we get to chat to each other. It's really nice. Yeah, it's so nice connecting everyone up through um through Instagram and stuff. I've listened to a few of your podcast episodes. Uh, I think it was Alex's that um that brought me to it. He's yeah, nice. I love you, Alex. <laughs> oh, he's oh, do you know, he is just he's the most humble person I think I've ever met in my whole life. Yeah, he, you know, and it, it just it amazes me that he isn't oozing with confidence and. Uh, you know and he's just fantastic and he's so unique mm. I think, he, I really think he's awesome he is he's really nice just, yeah we're gonna we're gonna crack on because I know you've got little ones having naps yeah she does usually go for about three hours so you know if all goes well we've got plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> how old is she uh she's just turned 16 months now Ah, oh, she's so up on her feet and everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Oh gosh, mine are, my youngest has just turned 18. Oh wow. I know. Really scary. It's a completely different end of the spectrum. You're worrying about them for all kinds of different reasons. <laughs> I know, I know. We just had um A level results today. Oh yeah, so, how did it go? Yeah, we passed passed all three, which is great. Oh, wow. And and spectacular actually, because he didn't do one iota of work <laughs> he's like oh. I think he's like his mother he's like his mother <laughs> just kind of <laughs> so you know but um yeah so and we weren't it wasn't something that we were worried about because he's not going to university or anything like that um I yeah. think he's gonna well his plan is to take the rest that he's working at a cafe he's the manager in a 
cafe. So he's working in a cafe and he wants to take the whole of November off so he can watch the whole of the World Cup. Oh, so he's going to think about a, a proper job next year and an apprenticeship and everything next year. So funny, funny, funny. But at least he's got three A-levels, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, very yeah. good. That seems a long way off for me yet. <laughs> oh, do you know, it does. But I mean, I can remember when mine were, were, were little you know, like it was yesterday. I mean, it's crazy how fast time goes, yeah. particularly with children. I mean, you'll know having, how many of you got two, two? I've got two. My eldest is seven. Right. So there's a bit of a yeah. gap there, but yeah, it's, it is crazy how quick it all flies by. Yeah. Yeah. Does your seven-year-old help with the baby then? Yeah. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's it. very good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I guess when you've got little ones as well and you're a full-time artist, then it's it's always going to be a bit tricky to sort of find the time. I guess do you you can't really schedule stuff, can you? Have you got to just fit it in where? Yeah, I actually just posted a reel this morning. So um, yesterday I took little clips of kind of the whole day and just, yeah, tried to capture the, the mayhem. But also those little moments where I do actually get to... <laughs> chance to draw because it is literally like you know I wake up there's chores to do around the house and then you get a tiny little window of like 20 minutes to draw so I grab it and then I you know it's breakfast time and you know you get on with the day and it's just those tiny little moments of the day that other people might think you know oh that's not enough time to get anything done but if you just grab all those tiny moments and then squish them all together actually I've probably worked for about five hours in the day so you know, it's doable. Yeah, it does mean that you're constantly. I'm like juggling the hats. I'm like, one minute I'm in mum mode, and then it's quickly back to art and drawing and concentrating, and then it's back to mum, and then it's let the dog out, and you know, it's it is a constant juggle. But it's you know, it's doable. I used to work in a very busy, multitasking kind of environment, so I think I've just learnt from that. What is it that you used to do? Uh, so I used to work in interior design um, for a company that show homes together for the new developments all around the UK. So, yeah, that was just job after job after job. Everything had a million things to do and it all needed to be done right now. So <laughs> it, was a, it was very, you know, like lots of deadlines, lots of pressure. But, yeah, it's it taught me a lot of things time management wise. But, yeah. And actually now, even though it seems like you're incredibly busy, it's probably a little bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I haven't got, you know, there's there's only me. So I haven't got people to manage. I haven't got bosses and people above me telling me what to do and, you know, what needs to be done right now. And, oh, this email's just come in, so you need to drop everything and do it all. Whereas I can take it completely at my own pace now, which is good. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I used to work in corporate um, and before I was sort of a senior manager, I used to work in a really busy repro house hmm. and we do, um, it was triple shift. So you'd either have a shift that started at six in the morning or one that started at nine or one started at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I constantly found myself doing triple shifts every single day. Yeah. So I'd be starting at six and I'd still be there at six or midnight or whatever. And it was literally, you know, that fast paced advertising where, you know, you had a stack of work to do and then it was like, right, we need this one. And you'd be speaking to clients and, and that actually was a brilliant and and I bet you found this as well a really really great environment to be in 
to then when you come to sort of now when we work and we look back and we think I'm busy but I'm yeah. not nearly as busy as what I yeah, used to be. Definitely. I think yeah. that that life experience just really helps, doesn't it? Because I think for anyone that comes into it from, uh, I don't know, maybe like a part-time easy job, for, like for example, or they're really young and they're just starting out, then they haven't really got anything to compare it to. So, of course, it's going to seem really overwhelming. Like There's always tons of things to do, but it's it's definitely a learning experience yeah. that you just got to yeah. go with the flow. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. As well as if I, I've got um, a reel that I <laughs> I actually just took some video content of it yesterday because I was thinking, you know, what are the two main things as a working artist that I spend the most time doing? Yeah. And it's filling the dishwasher <laughs> and moving washing from, from the washing machine to the dryer. Yeah. And I must do that about 10 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> My children don't seem to understand the concept of you know opening the dishwasher door and putting something in it they just stack it all in the sink oh no yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's those boring mundane tasks isn't it that just interrupt your Mm. arty flow you're like yep I'm in the zone and I'll go out to get a drink of water and then oh my goodness there's a heap of stuff to do (laughs) that interrupts you but I mean I try not to let it get to me too much because I quite like that little interruption here and there I think it's probably just the way I've uh, always worked really so yeah. you know and it you, doesn't you bother me yeah you I, I guess very similar to me you'll find yourself in a kind of a set routine mm. so, um, I mean I tend to do all of my well I'm trying to remove quite a lot of the admin that I do I tend to work sort of nine till about four yeah in all of the admin stuff um, meetings all of that kind of thing and then my drawing, I tend to start, if I can start it at six, I'll start it at six and I can get a good six hours in. Yeah. Generally, I don't tend to start till about seven and then sometimes it's not until eight. And just recently, I've been maybe getting about two hours of drawing in a day. And it's just, it's not enough because I can't get enough done, but it's also not enough for my my well-being. I need to yeah. draw it, you know, for, for much longer stints. And also, you know, if you start drawing at eight, realistically, it means I've been doing stuff up until that time. And then I'm just really tired. Yeah. I'm trying to shift things around. And it's, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? I've now got, um, I've got a team of five that, that yeah. work with, not, not all full time, but I've got a team of, of five people. And you'd think that I'd be like, they, I don't have to do any of that stuff now. And it's it's got to the point where I'm doing more and more and more and more and more of the mm-hmm. admin side of stuff. It's not that I don't like it, but it's not what I do best yeah how have you found that delegation side of things because you did you say you've worked with um people have you managed people in the past so that's kind of just yeah, part of so, a job role yes yeah so when I worked for um Aviva um mm-hmm. so they had an internal studio uh, at their head office in York and there were designers account managers and then there were print buyers and everything like that as well and I was the studio manager so I was managing the designers and the account management side of stuff mm-hmm. and actually when I first started as a manager it's, it goes this way doesn't it it goes this way you know when you're kind of working your way up in a business you tend to go from one role and then you get put into a more senior role having had no you know, I didn't know how to be a manager. I just kind of knew how yeah, to do my job. Get thrown in. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was only until I understood and started doing the coaching side of stuff that I realised that delegation was really, really important. Being able to delegate to people and allow them to make mistakes and learn and everything you know, actually gives you a much better team. So I learned to be really good at delegating. I am brilliant at delegating. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't really want to do this. So who would like to do it? <laughs> yeah. It goes, I've even delegated my um my packaging. So I have I've got a, a really, really um lovely lady who comes and cleans for me on a Monday. And this all sounds like I'm sitting here thinking I've got a cleaner, I've got this, and it all sounds very like, you know, I don't do anything and I'm incredibly lazy, but I've I've just I'm on the go all of the time. And she's now started to do my packaging for me, which oh, is amazing. Wonderful. I mean, it sounds like I'm really lazy and I'm I'm I probably am. Um but yeah, I know I know in my head what I'm really good at and mm-hmm. I know in my head what I'm not good at. So, you know, the delegation side of stuff, I don't find an issue. I, I think quite a lot of artists do find it hard to delegate things. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a stump though. I mean, I find it personally that it's that knowing that you need to offload something um time wise or efficiency wise you know if it's not something you're very good at or you don't like very much then I think a lot of artists would like to be able to delegate something but it's the how and the you know like setting it all up who Mm -hmm. do you go to how much are they going to charge how do you fund that all of that sort of thing completely throws me and I know it would probably do the same for a lot of others yeah. Um, yes, I get that. And I think with me, it was, so I first started, um, so Lucy joined me in 2020, October 2020. Mm-hmm. And what I was finding was that I just wasn't having, I didn't have enough time to draw. And I wanted somebody to help me with the social media side of things. And also things like Patreon, you know, I was kind of, I wanted somebody to help me set up you know, like on my website, so it'd be easier for people to find stuff. And I got it in, I got it in my head that I wanted to create my own platform, but I wasn't quite ready yet. So I took Lucy on two days a week just to help with things like emails and helping me a little bit with social media. Um, not doing my social media because I've always done my own social media. I think it's really, really important. You know, if somebody doesn't get you and they don't talk in your voice, that's that's really hard. But what what she did was she just came in actually at the point where I did I, I was putting out a, um, a a tutorial kit and she helped me with all of sort of like the emails that were going out. She helped me sort of set up automated things a little bit better and just started to kind of organize things for me. And very quickly she went from two days to three days and now. She, she works four days a week um, and she's on the payroll and, you know, that, and she's incredible. She's absolutely mm. incredible. She's so organized. And now, you know, we're running campaigns and, um, you know, obviously with the Academy and everything, we've got so much in the, in the back end of the website, all of these automated emails and funnels. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's such a, a huge difference to how I used to work. Yeah. Because I've kind of, it was my, I made a business plan. And and I think this is where it kind of stems from. If you've got a plan, you've got, you're kind of thinking, okay, this is where I want to be. Then you can start to plan. Okay, so do I need somebody to help with the customer service? Do I need somebody to help with the emails? Do I need somebody to help with community management? That kind of thing. 
the customer service side of stuff for me has been just huge. Moving from Patreon, who does they do all of the customer service, albeit, yeah. albeit not not particularly well, <laughs> to my own platform. I have to do my own customer service, mm-hmm. and the amount of emails that we get through every day is astounding with questions and you know all of this sort of stuff so I don't have time to be able to field all of those and do everything else that I'm doing so it was it was almost a case of it's necessary this is what I have to do but I also think there's a bit of a leap of faith in there as well yeah definitely it's knowing where you want to go isn't it that's for sure because as soon as you know where you're going it's a bit easier to make those kind of jumps. But I think mm. if you're just make like taking a stab in the dark, like, oh, will this work? I don't know. Let's try it out. But then it's just constant, you know, experiments, as I like to call them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like in the last couple of years, I've tried loads of things. And I feel like, you know, if I was calling them failures, then I would have had failure after failure after failure. I try not to word it like that because I've obviously learned things from all of them, but it can it can be a little bit disheartening when you see on social media obviously we see everything that everyone wants to share. So that's usually the ups, isn't it? And then you see things going well for other people and you think, right, okay, well I can try something along those lines that will work for my business and you know, you could put in all the effort and the time that I personally have quite limited time because I've obviously got the two children. I know other people have other things as well, but yeah, it can be hard to then try something new and you find that it's just not going to plan or it doesn't work out in the way that you hoped. Um, Because things like Patreon, I've tried that thinking that I, you know, I've built up quite a good following. I get people asking me all the time, uh, how do you do this? How do you do that? Can I learn from you? Like, have you got any tutorials? So I thought, well, okay, there's obviously a, a lot of people out there that are interested. And I put in quite a lot of time into making tutorials and things. And it just, personally, I feel like Patreon was just a massive flop for me. Like there were people that were, you know, interested and engaged in it, but very few. And in comparison to the people that were seemed interested the actual you know feedback and the engagement that I got was very very small it's really frustrating it is really frustrating and you're right to call them they're not failures at all because I think everything that we do in life it's that learning isn't it you know we were talking about when we're in corporate everything we've learned there it's those it's those life um, skills that we're picking up and you know there's there's tons of stuff that I've done that that haven't worked I mean I tried to sell prints tried to sell cushions and mugs I think yeah. I saw one mug <laughs> yeah. I did a I did, um, I did a um, an art fair didn't sell one thing spent a fortune <laughs> didn't yeah. sell anything and I sometimes I mean for me my heart wasn't in those things really I wasn't that enamored with it but I was kind of giving it a go Patreon I think is a is a funny thing and I I love the article that you put the post that you put in Instagram about it and I think Patreon has been the cause of quite a lot of mental health issues with Mm. artists yeah and it's that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm kind of moving away from it you know I have been patrons been been brilliant for me but you know 
I don't know what I've done differently. I, I mean, I did. I kind of run a run a, a campaign that I didn't purposefully run it, but I was sort of teaching people and, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, like you were doing hints and tips and this is blah, 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 blah. And I ran that for probably about 12 to 18 months before I started my Patreon. But I also ran a lot of um, marketing bits and pieces behind it as well and got people to join wait lists and all of that kind of stuff, um, which I think probably helped too. But the that whole thing with Patreon where it's that culture of people jump in and then they just cancel straight away. Mm-hmm. So you see your figures going up and then immediately they go down. And, you know, with Patreon, you've probably got a, a churn rate of between 8 and 15% every month, you know, and that kind of goes with everybody really. And it's really, it can be really heartbreaking when you see like 100 members leave and you think, oh, yeah. you know, and it's and it's like, what have I done wrong? And it's it isn't anything we've done wrong. I think it's a culture that Patreon has created. It's high-end. I mean, you you know, your tutorials, my tu- you know, we spend so much time creating these tutorials, putting the voiceover in them, creating really amazing art. And then we we sell them for peanuts. Mm. And people go, and then people don't join. Yeah. And you're like, are you crazy? Mm. <laughs> It's, I, I honestly think it's a culture. And I think what you're, because what you're doing now is you're putting the odd one up onto your website, aren't you? And selling them through there. Yeah. I think, I think if, I make, if I make more though, I think I've come to the conclusion that I don't want to spend any time. This is kind of a delegation thing almost, is that I don't want to be spending the time editing footage, putting together a voiceover, all of that side of things. So, because I'm quite comfortable with doing things live, I've just said to people if I'm going to do anything else tutorial wise I'm just going to put it live and you can just watch it on YouTube because then eventually you know views and what have you would potentially earn through YouTube so it's not like it's you know handing out everything for free because you know that is I mean it's so helpful isn't it having stuff available for free but then if I can cut out all of that time of putting together the footage and you know all of that side of things which I seem to it seems to take me so much longer I don't know if other people it takes just as long but my process just seems to take forever and I don't have the um like technical capacity to actually deal with large videos because I was having to like remove all apps or every single thing off of my laptop to even be able to export it so it was just a complete faff so yeah yeah I think there's other routes that go down. It is, you know, and, and I think this is another thing that people aren't aware of, of how flipping enormous, like, half an hour of video footage is. Mm. I've got this 32 terabyte drive. Mm-hmm. And it's it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely huge. And, you know, I had to buy that to be able to put all of my video footage on it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course... I tend to record onto SD card. So I then have to take that and then I have to copy that onto my, uh, you know, onto my hard drive and whatever. So that takes ages. But when I record, I do all of my voiceover as I'm record as I'm drawing. Yeah, it definitely speeds up. I've done a few like that since, um, since my youngest is a little bit older. But yeah, I think the tutorial side of things is really good as a like a side income I know you've obviously made quite 
that's quite a big part of your business isn't it but for a lot of yeah, artists it's it's, yeah. it's like a good side hustle almost it's like you know yeah. you could potentially make a little bit of money from from uh, from teaching but I don't think it's actually where a lot of people would like their business to go necessarily it's just the thing that you see others doing it so that must be one of the only ways that you can make money through being an artist I think a lot of people can get swept into that yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And and you'll see time and time again, you know, when people are going, oh, gosh, you know, I want to make a living being an artist. And you'll go, oh, well, just to do a Patreon, you know, mm. you'll make a fortune on there. And, and, and actually, it's not true. And, and I think that is something that happens. We go, oh, you know, as an artist, you either do pet portraits or you do mm-hmm. prints yeah. or you do merchandise or you do art fairs um, or you go down the teaching route. And actually, there's so much more to it, you know, and it's about really kind of thinking, well, what is it that I actually want to do? And I mean, you're you're concentrated on your wildlife mm. um, it's a pieces at the moment, aren't you? You know, I know that you're doing, I love that, the, the piece that you've just had, that the huge what is it is it a, oh the buffalo yeah he's an african and then you've got the the tiny one and you're doing like a hundred of the of the tiny tiny ones and that's they're amazing oh thank you it's definitely fun to play around with the scale i love the little ones for you know slotting in here and there like i was saying earlier around the kids and stuff they're just handy to be able to pick up and put down but yeah it's a, it's a nice little project that i've kind of picked up it was supposed to be a little side project, but you know how those side projects just become quite big projects. <laughs> and like, oh, actually, there's quite a lot of work involved in this. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's really fun to have a go at drawing animals that I wouldn't necessarily have drawn on a larger scale. So yeah, it's good for that. Yeah, yeah. And do you do? I mean, do you do you and do you exhibit your work? Do you enter competitions, or is your wildlife work purely for just sort of private collectors? Uh, well, to be honest, I'm still. I feel like I'm still really early in the process of becoming a wildlife artist because I did like I entered into it uh, with the intention of being a wildlife artist when I went full time, but then you know, I painted these big pieces and they weren't selling straight away because I didn't have a big collector base then, I think. I had clients that were interested more in pets, so, because I'd done a few on the side. So then it takes a little while, doesn't it, to build up the right kind of client base. So I then ended up doing a few, sorry, pet portrait pieces and it just kind of snowballed from there, really. So then I spent the next two and a half years with back-to-back pet portraits almost so I had to kind of redig things a little bit and try to put more focus on the wildlife again but my plan really is to just make the larger wildlife pictures so either paintings or drawings because I like both and then exhibit them like raise money funds you know support and what have you for uh, wildlife conservation projects and also just raise awareness because the the small ones I've been doing I put up a, a few stories of them recently just saying like do you know what this animal is because it was one of the more unusual ones and there were loads of really like there were loads of people that guessed correctly and some good guesses but there were loads of people that like, I have no idea what that is <laughs> so it's quite cool to be able to have that platform to kind of educate people as well of all these other animals that you never heard of 
Yeah, no, definitely. And, it, you know, and if you've got a passion for that kind of thing as well, I mean, I I guess my the commission work for me is now a, a quite a small part of what I do. The teaching side of things is I'd probably say about 90 percent of, of, of everything that I do. And and I have to say, I, I really love drawing my domestic animals. I've got a real a real soft spot for, you know, horses, dogs, cat. Well, I'm drawing a cat at the moment and it's it's all right. <laughs> it's not from a very good photo, but I'm quite enjoying doing it. It's a very strange colour. Um, but I it's funny, I did a, an African uh, wild dog as a tutorial. And, you know, I did it and I, and I enjoyed it because I enjoyed the drawing process, but I didn't really, I, I didn't feel a connection with the animal at all. Whereas I tend to find that I get, do you tend to find that you have almost like you've, you get this connection with your, with your subject and it's like, mm. you just cannot wait to get stuck in. But with the African painted dog, I, I just didn't feel that connection at all. And it wasn't, it wasn't a really enjoyable portrait to do, which I found really quite strange and I I reflect on things quite a lot and I was thinking I don't know why I didn't connect with it or enjoy drawing it that much do you get that at all with pieces or do you Uh, find that I think sometimes I mean I just love most animals and the wild ones I think particularly you'll see from my feed is just predominantly African animals and I don't know what the attraction is I just love all of those animals I mean like I do like birds and things as well but uh this little uh, the mini project has shown me that there are some species that I'm like mm, nah that's just really not for me so like I mean I, I enjoy drawing like anything really but there are some that I love doing and there are others that you know it just feels like it's a drawing of something you know there isn't as much connection I think for me that is the um, the insects, the reptiles, some of the marine life. I don't know. I have started where I was looking into the uh, reference photos and things of the the whales and the sharks. I was looking at all these lovely reels of this like amazing footage that people have of whales. And I was like, actually, do you know what? It's, that process of looking into them a bit more has made me appreciate them in a different way. So it has, in some ways, it's shown me animals that I would love to draw more of and that I wasn't expecting to enjoy and then others it's just confirmed to me that yeah I'm just not fussed on (laughs) you know as lovely as the animal is and just there isn't as much of a connection so yeah I definitely say that is the case yeah I've got I follow um whale whale ones oh my honestly they just some of the I don't know how they get the footage I know absolutely amazing absolutely I'm watching this Netflix series at the moment my children think I'm mad it's a South Korean Netflix series called Extraordinary Attorney Woo and it's about it's absolutely (laughs) just love it it's about this girl who is autistic and she is an uh, an attorney. She's called Attorney Wu, and she loves Wales. Mm-hmm. Just loves Wales. And my my daughter was like, "Well, what about Scotland?" And I was like, "No, not the country Wales. She loves the you know the <laughs> mammoth Wales." Oh. 
She just loves them. And how they've created this series is that every time she has this bit of inspiration, this bit of, and she's beautiful. They're all beautiful, just beautiful people. And this inspiration comes along and her her hair gets wafted away. Mm-hmm. And she kind of does this and her hair wafts away. And then you'll see this whale just sort of swimming past the window or, you know, jumping up and splashing down into the, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And she just gets so moved by, these incredible creatures it's you know that's all she wants to talk about Uh, but it's brilliant it's a brilliant brilliant series it's all in Korean with subtitles but I'm loving it (laughs) my children think I'm crazy (laughs) oh it's it's good isn't it the the little rabbit holes you can find some very interesting stuff on there yeah I don't know mine are now um, my youngest well they just they just take themselves off now They've all got their own cars and everything, and off off they go, just doing their own thing. <laughs> I think I'm on my own now. I think both of them have. I think he's gone off to work. I think my daughter's just gone off to the gym. So, yeah. Oh wow, busy. I know. I know. It's nice not to have to like uh, plan all of the stuff for the day for them. Though they just do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's great, and you know that sort of taxiing thing. But then. Now the 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 worry now that I'm getting is, oh, what when they all leave home? Mm. I'm just here on my own with the dogs. <laughs> do you enjoy oh, your really? own company? I, do I enjoy my own company? Yeah. Do you, I, can I, you happily? I, uh, I, oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm what people call an, an extroverted introvert. I think so. I I'm quite happy in uh, sort of groups of people who I know mm. quite well. And this sounds really bizarre, but I'm quite happy to go into a big room of people if we're talking about a subject that I'm really happy to talk about. But if I was, say, somebody invited me to a party or something like that and I didn't really know anybody, I wouldn't be very comfortable going into that sort of – I'd be absolutely fine, but I wouldn't be very comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I'm really, really, really happy in my own company. I I love being with my dogs just in studio and just drawing – I'm just yeah I love my own company yeah (laughs) well really (laughs) oh yeah me too I feel like I don't get enough of it at the moment it's um I think when you are introverted it's it's kind of how you recharge isn't it being on your own so yeah definitely definitely it's I don't um I've so this past sort of 18 months has been a really big I've made some really big changes really big changes mentally for me because of all the stuff that's been going on and and everything like that and one of the things that I'm really not very good at is taking time out for me to do stuff just for me I tend to do things for other people and I tend to sort of think right just need to be really busy because if I'm really busy I don't need to think about all of the other rubbish that's going on and and actually you know doing that work internally over the the last 18 months has made me realize how important it is to take time out for just me so very indulgently I've just joined a spa which sounds very indulgent but actually it it costs less than going to the swimming pool every day so if I was to go to my local swimming pool every day and do 50 lengths or whatever that would cost me more than being at the spa every month and at the spa so I've been this morning and I've been in the cold they've got a lovely cold natural pool I've been in there I've been in the sauna, I've been in the um the thermal pool. 
and then I've sat on a, on a bed with a with a duvet over the top of me outside and a heated thing just reading my book and it's been really nice and that as long as there's not loads of people around that just totally and utterly re-energizes me and I I've realized that I really love water mm. and yeah. I just love it that sounds amazing I think um I'm in that period of my life with two small children that I just need to you know you grab every moment that you can but I think looking ahead that sounds like something <laughs> I definitely like to do yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's really really nice I mean whether I could have done that when I when my children were small I don't think I could I mean I know there was there was my husband back then you know when the children were small and it and it helped massively as two of you you know yeah. to share everything you know it's it just does because one of them can kind of take them and do bits and pieces um so I mean I became single when I think my youngest was how old was he it was 2017 so he was about 13 I think 13 14 um so it wasn't that bad they were all at school and they could all kind of fend for themselves really so it was you know it was okay but yeah I don't think I'd want to be well, you manage, wouldn't you? If I was single, yeah, then, you can. Yeah. You, you manage. I was, of course, you. My eldest, his dad is not my current partner, so I was married to him. Uh, we got married quite young, but then it was about five years into it. We like he became really distant. I was like, oh no, what's happening here? And it, it actually turned out that he came out, so he's gay. And our marriage, you know, had to end and stuff. But we were still, we remained friends through it all. And uh, so my son goes between the two of us. So I kind of have like one and a half children <laughs> because um, his dad has him, you know, half the time. So well, that's it, really um, nice. That's mm. really nice, though. You know that they, that they and they've still got that relationship and everything. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a brilliant setup because he's still local, and you know we're we're both very kind of chilled out people. So there was never any need for any animosity or any kind of mm. drama. So yeah, it's, it's it helps out in that sense because then I haven't got two children full time, you know, constantly. But then my partner obviously helps out with a with us when we've got you know when he's around because he's yeah. he has his own business as well so two self-employed people with children is a bit it's a bit of a you know head spin sometimes <laughs> just got to try and keep up with everything but yeah it's doable like you say you just kind of manage don't you well you know because otherwise what would you do mm-hmm. just you just have to do it don't you and I mean I know you've kind of come off not come off Patreon, but you sort of, you know, the 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 tutorials aren't sort of your main, you know, sort of focus. But have you got plans for the future then for anything, or is it just it's just sort of like day to day, just enjoying what you're doing, kind of building that portfolio up? Um, I mean, my goal really is to become an established wildlife artist. You know, that people know me for the wildlife art, and then I uh, get collectors that are you know they're after a certain um animal or whatever it is but uh, as I said earlier I'm still kind of in that transition stage where I feel like I'm quite early on in the process so I still have pet portrait commissions in the diary that I'm kind of chipping away at I haven't shared those so much lately because that's not my focus so I feel like whatever you put out on social media you kind of 
get back that people are interested in it, aren't they? So I've had to stop posting that online, which has meant that I then have to, you kind of have to work twice, don't you, to make sure you've got content for social media to bring in the people that that you're trying to reach and then also do the work for the people that are actually, you know, bringing in my income. So I feel like I've got a bit of a double life at the moment. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm trying to fit in things where I can and then eventually... So I am stopping, I have a few pet portrait commissions that I'll take on for next year, but they're only going to be, you know, existing clients that have asked for something and, you know, I've already got a relationship with them. So I think, you know, I'm trying to phase it out, but I don't know. I don't know how quickly I'll be able to do that. I'll kind of take it as it comes. I don't, I'm, what I'm not going to do is fill up the whole year with more pet portrait commissions because I just know that that's not where my heart is anymore. Like obviously I still like doing it because otherwise I would just say no and I'd cancel them. But it's, um, yeah, it's definitely something I'm wanting to phase out because it's just not where I want my business to go. I want it to be all about the wild animals and raising awareness and support for conservation so yeah I mean this year I've taken a bit more of a a purposeful leap into it if you like so I've uh in all of the gaps that I had because I did have a few spaces here and there to put in a few bits of wildlife work around the pet portraits but in all those gaps I've just grabbed every bit of time I can to make something that's either for an exhibition like competition so like the David Shepherd I've entered the Explorers Against Extinction one I've entered this year and then I've been chatting to loads of other artists on Instagram to just kind of open my eyes a bit more to see you know, like what's available what other people do how other people have kind of gone about their journeys and things to become a wildlife artist or you know incorporate that kind of the conservation side of things so that's been really fun but yeah it's it's definitely been a year of getting out of my comfort zone for sure so I think that's really helped yeah but it's good isn't it to get out of your comfort zone I've I've taken a leap into um well so I'm really really excited about doing human portraits and I've got some massive ideas that I want to be doing which is way, way out of my comfort zone and very, very different to what I'm currently doing. And I'm finding I'm kind of leaning when I'm looking at sort of reference photos and I'm looking at having my own photography done as well. I'm, I'm finding I'm getting more excited about the human side of things than I am about the animals, which I don't know whether I need to be worried. About. I mean, I still love drawing animals. You know, I absolutely love them. And that that is definitely my comfort zone. You know, but the 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 human side of things and actually what we're we're doing a a human study at the moment in my art club and it's amazing how many people are like oh my goodness I love that you're doing humans now I, I want to draw my grandchildren or you know so it's actually been quite a good a good step for me to sort of you know but yeah it's and I've just done my first flower which has been very very strange mm, yeah, <laughs> it's really it's- weird I mean when you when you think about it they're all they're all just shape and color aren't they and, yeah. and values that's that's all it is but it's whether or not it, for me it's all about that connection what connection do I have with the subject or with the, the particular photograph that I'm looking at do I feel some kind of excitement around it mm-hmm. do I feel a bit giddy about oh gosh what can I do here there I'm doing a lot of um, photoshop manipulation with some photos as well so that I kind of bring my ideas into things so it's not just taking a photo and 
copying yeah. it. We have, it's never about taking a photo and copying it when we're realism artists because it just isn't. We bring our own in anyway. But you know, bringing my ideas through into that—that's been really, really exciting me as well. So it's um, yeah, a lot, quite a lot of things. And and I don't know whether you're the same as me, but I I never kind of um, I'm always looking for the next thing. <laughs> so we I was doing some work on on archetypes before and and the seeker comes up quite strongly for me not in the harry potter sense but you know the person that's always kind of looking 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 yeah. uh you know for the next thing and and I'm one of the things I'm really not good at is is celebrating my my wins I'm like yeah we've done that right what's next mm-hmm. and and it's I don't know it's something that I that's who I am and what I do but one day I'm hoping that I'm going to get to a point where I'm like do you know what? I'm really happy with just I'm um, just where I am yeah do you ever get that kind of thing yeah I think it it takes a bit of practice doesn't it like you really consciously have to stop and look I found anyway because I could probably list out about three or four collections of work that I have in my head of like I would love to do this and this is the whole body of work that I'd create and I've looked into reference photos and I've got really excited about it I'm like right okay great but then I've had to put it on the side and then you know turn away with whatever I've got going on at the moment and then another idea pops in my head and then I can create a whole new body of work just from that one and I get really excited about that as well and it's it can be a little bit frustrating I find because with realism and some of the scales that I work on each piece can take weeks of work so then when you kind of you know spread it out to create a whole collection of pieces that are you know if you've got say five five pieces in a series or a collection at least and then you think of all the other things that come up and you know stop you from doing something or interrupt you and it could be a year before you've even got round to starting the first piece or something and then like, I find I'll get so excited about something that I might get the paper ready or I'll get the canvas ready I'll draw it up and I'll make a start because I think if I've made a start on it then there's no excuse like it's there and it's ready for me but then you know life happens and it gets interrupted so that's the thing that happened with the buffalo actually so that's a series that I wanted to work on when I first went full-time because I set out like quite a big challenge for myself I was like if I'm going to go full-time I'm just going to go for it and I'm going to do this massive set of the um, big five from Africa so I started with the leopard threw myself into that that was the first you know sort of hyper realistic sort of painting that I'd done and learned a lot on the way and then I was like right okay let's build up all the momentum and try and get some sort of interest in this and I had quite a few people interested in it but it actually took about seven months for that painting to sell and it sold through a gallery and you know in those seven months obviously I can't just sit around waiting because I've got mortgage to pay and you know all the other stuff and so that whole series ended up just on the back burner and the next piece that I started just got put in the wardrobe which is the buffalo that I've you know finally (laughs) got him out and finished him off but then you know, it could be another seven months, it could be a year, it could be whatever until he finds a home. So it's that it's that constant battle I find of, you know, being really passionate about something and wanting to do the next thing, but then also being held back by, oh, actually, wait a minute, how am I going to, you know, 
buy the food for this month or things like that is it's the challenge of not having established any kind of passive income because I've tried in places I've tried making prints I've tried with patron I've tried with various other things but so far for me a passive income hasn't been something I can rely on to then give me the time to get involved with anything else so it's like a catch-22 I'm constantly chasing my tail yeah definitely do you have like a do you do like a regular mailing list a newsletter or anything um I mean I have a a mailing list I've got subscribers probably over 100 people on there but I don't tend to email out often it's something that's just I forget about to be honest Mm. that that is like a a really great way to build up you know something like uh, uh, people who are waiting for your pieces Mm. you know so so that that could be something that you could introduce uh, you know I mean I I send a newsletter out every week now which when we first started talking about it I was like every week I was like, mm. I don't think people want to hear from me every week. <laughs> and they do, and they really do. And, mm. you know, and I was thinking, oh, God, everybody will be unsubscribing. But then I subscribe people, and I really love getting, you know, if I subscribe to somebody, it's because I want to hear from them. And I yeah. really, you know, if I don't want to see their stuff that particular week, there might not be anything that's actually, you know, what I'm interested in. But I don't unsubscribe. And actually, it's a really, really great way of building up that list of potential buyers and collectors, you know, that could be, you know, you could, you'd end up selling a painting before you've actually painted it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think the marketing side for me has been a constant struggle, because it's kind of just expected, isn't it? When you you become your own boss you've got your own business and you kind of just have to do it so I didn't do any marketing or business studies when I was at school or college which I am gutted about because I would have loved to have those skills right now (laughs) but it's just been something I've had to learn on the go and learn what works and mostly what doesn't work to be honest but um yeah it's it's a side of being an artist that you know it's something you have to do I've relied I've relied heavily on Instagram if I'm honest but you know it's not where all of the people that are likely to buy my work are actually going to be so yeah it is it is and I think marketing is one of the things that or the main thing that the majority of artists struggle with because mm. it's it's really hard I mean it's like a whole job all of its own yeah uh, you know yeah, and it's definitely. this constant battle with the algorithms and everything like that. Yeah, and it's and it, the, the thing as well is that it's about just keeping on going. It's mm-hmm. about just keeping on, keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. And the problem is that it's like dieting, isn't it? You know, if you don't see the results, if I go on a diet and I haven't lost a stone the next day, <laughs> I give up. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. But if you just do it little by little by little, it can kind of really build momentum up, and um, and it can be uh, it can be really successful. But yeah, it's it's a tough one. It is a tough one, the marketing side of stuff, and it's you know, a lot of it is down to people's personalities as well. You know, whether they're sort of happy to, you know, kind of put stuff out there or do this or do that and do the other. And it, it is, it's a, yeah, it can be really frustrating. Mm. Who did you, in the early days, who did you kind of 
uh, hold yourself accountable to? Because I find that that is something when you are your own boss and you do your own thing, it can be easy to procrastinate, can't it? You put all of the stuff off that you're not really fussed on. Like I could quite easily put out a blog post and an, a mailing, you know, a, an email every week or every couple of weeks if I put my mind to it. But there's no one there that's telling me, you know, you need to do this. You better do it. Yeah. So that I mean, is yeah I mean when I when I first started um well when I first started as being um full-time I didn't really do anything like I mean I just posted my stuff on on social media but I didn't really do any blogs or anything like that and it was only really when I was looking at starting the academy which was um the beginning of 2021 mm-hmm. um and I and I t- I took on a um we put an advert out to find somebody to help me create this this platform basically and and then I started working with this marketing consultant she actually lives in France and she's sort of like a creative uh, membership expert person and she is absolutely amazing and she was like right we need to be you need to do a newsletter every week from that newsletter, the content in that newsletter, then you put it into a blog, you then put it into YouTube. So you just repurpose all of this content. And I was like, my head was spinning. I was like, you know, she's like, you need to do this, 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 and this. And, you know, we need to have lead magnets. And, and I'm like, hang on a second, what? <laughs> and I, and I, I literally just went, do you know what? You sound like you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. <laughs> Yeah, and it was a massive learning curve, and now that that is all now part of um, the, the the sort of like the main the main strategy. Um, you know, when we're sort of thinking about the next, so I'm launching in about three weeks, but the next launch will be January. Um, so we're now talking. We're now thinking about that. We're now thinking about what lead na- lead magnets are going to go out. We're now thinking about what adverts are going to go out. We're now thinking about what live streams are going to go out. And part of me is really excited, and part of me thinks, "Oh my god, this is just too much. <laughs> this is like you know, it's like being back in corporate again and having to adhere to all of these deadlines and everything." So I find myself constantly in this battle of I just want to sit and draw yeah <laughs> to I do want to grow my business to I just want to sit and draw again and it's and it is a bit of a constant battle for me but I I really like where my business is going and I really like that actually there's only me to look after my children and I can now make sure that my children have got a really nice life yeah. and that you know when I'm gone they've got something they've got a legacy that's left behind that's my my whole purpose of of doing this and I absolutely love it so and I love working with people and I love helping people I love seeing, seeing people succeed but it's a battle it's a constant battle you know working well just wanted to be me in my studio just drawing mm-hmm. and then having to kind of do all of this other stuff it's um yeah it's tough but you know I just do it. do it. Yeah, <laughs> I've been listening to um, you know Mel Robbins, the the speaker, um, coach, whatever she is. She's brilliant, but um, she's got a new set of kind of episodes out on Audible, and I started listening to a few of those. I'm only, I'm still only a few episodes in, but she talks about you know the motivation and 
get in the right mindset for doing the things that you you want to do but you keep putting them off and she was talking about motivation being something that we're all kind of waiting for that it's just gonna you know one day it'll come along and it'll help us to you know get our butt in gear and actually do things but she's like it just doesn't you have to just do it you have to not want to go to the gym but you go anyway you want to you know you you want to eat some nice food but you don't want to cook it so you've got to do it anyway all that sort of stuff and it just it applies doesn't it to to the drawing side if you procrastinate over that which I don't tend to do but the marketing side of it is the thing I would procrastinate big time so it's it's yeah knowing the things that you need to do to make you know get yourself to the next steps but actually sitting yourself down there and doing it is another thing so (laughs) I think um I I do think mindset obviously is such a big thing isn't it in, in all of that but holding yourself accountable to someone I think is also really handy and I don't feel like I have that person because obviously family are vaguely interested in what I do but I feel like if I speak to friends or family about my artwork they're all a bit like oh yeah I don't have anyone that's kind of like pushing me to the next level so I need to kind of find that person yeah. Do you have uh, like um, a coach or anything that you work with on a regular basis? No, I feel like I need one. <laughs> I need someone that's like, come on, chop, chop, yeah. get on with it. Do you know, I, I think everybody should have a coach. Mm. Everybody I've got I've got a handful of people I can um, I can introduce you to. Uh, honestly, it, I see somebody every other week and yeah. oh, okay. she's absolutely amazing. She's helped with my head stuff she's helped with decision making it's like my decision about patreon was just tearing me up i didn't mm. know what to do i was so worried that people would get really really angry that i wasn't going to be putting any more new content out, out. i was so worried that people would be saying oh you know she's money grabbing she's this that and the other and and actually i had to stop thinking about what other people were thinking because i i have no idea what anybody else is thinking and actually yeah what's right for me and and being able to discuss that scenario and come up with a plan with somebody who's completely you know she hasn't got a clue about what I'm doing on Patreon or everything but she was there listening to what I was sort of saying and I was able to come up with a with a plan of action and go do you know what this is what I'm going to do and I feel really happy about that Mm -hmm. and it was just having somebody listening to me and then asking relevant questions it's I think it's really, really key, particularly, you know, if you're wanting to build your business, having that sounding board, but also, like you say, somebody to that, you know, that can hold you to account over things. Mm. Have you done this? You said you were going to do this. Why hasn't that been done? Yeah. You know, I think is a really good idea. Mm. That's definitely going to be a leap of faith for me because I know coaches, you know, you can get all varieties of fit for any kind of uh, situation but I've always had it in my mind that you know if you're going to go for a coach it's going to be lots of money so uh, yeah not not necessarily Hmm. not not necessarily and you could always you could always pick somebody who's training to be a coach who's sort of you know you'd probably be able to get something for like 40 pounds and you wouldn't need them every single week you know, just seeing them like once a month or something or, or just have one session, one session. And you could be like, Do you know what? I feel really clear in my head now. I, yeah, I, I honestly would recommend getting a coach. I think it can make, can bring much more clarity. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like a good idea. Maybe I'll do it as a, it could be part of my 
birthday treat <laughs> to myself. I've been, it's my 30th next week and I've been, you know, when people ask you what you want for your birthday, most of my stuff revolves around my work because that's my, it's my hobby at the same time. So yeah, it might be a little treat to myself. As sad as that sounds, it actually would be quite interesting to get some clarity on on things just to to know kind of where I'm going what I could be doing better because that's always a good good thing to know yeah oh I think that's a really nice idea and it's time for you as well Mm. yeah I didn't think about that child free time to talk (laughs) oh sounds perfect oh dear right well I'm going to let you go to your um to your two I'm going to go and see this man that's putting my gas bottles in so we can have some hot water I think we ran out of hot water yesterday um um, and um it's been really really nice chatting really nice chatting Zoe and you know we'll have to do it more often it's just been it's been really lovely yeah Uh, so thank you yeah thank you so much for your time and yeah hopefully we'll we'll chat again very soon yeah look yeah lovely thanks for having me on bonnie it's been thanks, great Zoe. <laughs> all right speak to you soon bye, bye. i really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of my it's a bonnie old life podcast if you did i'd be so grateful to you for emailing me or texting a link to the show or sharing it on social media with those you know who might like it too My mission with this podcast is all about sharing mine and my community's experience and hope by telling your fascinating personal stories, championing the other amazing humans in my personal, professional and membership community and to create another channel through which I can support you to realise your coloured pencil and life dreams. If you haven't done so yet, please help me on my mission to spread positivity and joy throughout the coloured pencil world by following me on my socials at Bonnie Snowden Academy or by getting on my list at bonniesnowdenacademy.com. And remember, I truly believe if I can live the life of my dreams doing what I love, then you can too. We just need to keep championing and supporting each other along the way in order to make it happen. Till next time.